Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, the monthly podcast produced by the Interior Design Community for the Interior Design Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm joined by my co-presenter Susie Rumbold, Creative Director of Tasuta Interiors, to look at the challenges and questions facing interior designers who decide to set up their own business. So, you've worked hard to get your interior design qualifications and you've spent years working even harder in other people's design studios, honing your knowledge and skills. Finally, you feel ready to break free, spread your entrepreneurial wings and run your own interior design company. But how do you know when the time is right to take that first step? And do you bravely go it alone or join forces with a partner? Should you rush out and rent office space? Most importantly, how will you let prospective clients know that you are open for business and ready to take on their projects? Welcome to the Interior Design Business. Today, we're joined by new kids on the block, Courtney Giles and Marianne Rowe, the dynamic design duo behind Studio Smiths, to find out how their partnership works, how they set up their company, and what makes them so successful. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Hi. So nice to be here. Yeah. So welcome, Courtney and Marion. How how long ago did you guys set up Studio Smiths? Oh, so I think it, we officially launched in May 2021, um, which yeah. is actually the perfect time for us because it was in the lead up to all COVID restrictions easing. I think people thought we were a bit mad to leave. I know, a bit, bit crazy to leave jobs <laughs> mid-pandemic. Yeah, but um, we actually thought it was a great opportunity to bounce into the property market, um, picking up. And, you know, people have been saving for the past 18 months. So we're confident to start spending money on refurbishments. Obviously, we'd been discussing setting up prior to this, mm-hmm. but we just saw it as a great opportunity, didn't we? How long had you been talking about it? And had it had it been a sort of grim secret? Had you been kind of keeping it under wraps for a year or more? Um, I think, well, what, we met back in about 2019 yeah. and we hit it off really well. So we, we actually met at a trade event, sort of exchanged numbers and mm. thought, you know, one day it'd be great to collaborate. Um, but it was sort of a bit of a pipe dream, you know, oh, we're both working for companies at the time and thought, well, you know, maybe one day, one yeah, day we'll one go day off on our right. own. And mm-hmm. as it turned out, Marianne actually sort of left her um, previous, uh, previous job and started working on a freelance project, which evolved and ended up becoming a bigger bigger mm-hmm. job than what she thought of, sort of anticipated it to be. So it called me up and was like, right what are you doing can you come and help help me out help me out (laughs) so I came on board to help her out through that project and it was then that we sort of discovered that we had this synergy and we were able to collaborate really well Um, we worked we worked well to deliver the project to the client and it was Mm. sort of from then that we were like you know what let's just do this Mm. so um, as soon as we finished delivering that project we um, we sort of met up sat down over a glass of red wine and um yeah the rest is history we actually met in a bar called smiths of smithfield that's where we came up with the business name i was going to say it, it does take a lot of courage to to leave one job behind and and set off on a new venture it sounds to me like fate had a hand in making that decision for you yeah yeah i think absolutely i yeah. mean i think for me since the day i was studying at KLC I knew I wanted my own interior design company but putting in this the years in established design firms was very you know crucial to my development as a designer 
but I don't think you're ever quite ready for stepping out on your own mm. and there's never a good time um but I definitely came to the conclusion that we'd only continue to grow if you kind of stepped out of comfort and yeah you know yeah. experience that uneasy feeling I think I think for me there's always this sort of like element of fear and doubt and mm. I think with any major life decision is there ever a perfect time um particularly being a female in the creative industry, I think there's almost this sense of like imposter syndrome. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Susie, but it's no, like- absolutely. All it, I still do to this day. Am I, like, am I worthy of this yeah. in a sense? And so for me, it's like, well, I don't think there's ever a perfect time to do this. So there's, there's always this niggling feeling of doubt. But once you push past that and you start to believe in your own strengths and your own abilities, that's when you're like, you know what, Let, this is the right time. Let's just bite the bullet and do it. Mm. So for me, it's been the best decision and it's and it's completely paid off. Fantastic. So, But do you, do you both think it's essential to have worked for other people? Would you advise designers coming straight out of college to set up on their own? Or do you think that's really part of the journey that you need to go and cut your teeth with someone else? Yeah, I, I think personally, you I do. think so. Like um, experiences are so invaluable. I think being on site, you learn so much, you know, um, you talk with experienced designers, you build up supplier relationships, which is so important. I was always advised to work for a small studio um, before setting up on your own. So you can, you know, learn every element of the role, learn from mistakes from those around you yeah yeah I think it's sort of it's so important to get that hands-on experience before you step out on your own personally that that's been our experience anyway I I think you're right I think it's it's there's a danger sometimes if if you go the designers who come out of college or uni and go straight into really big practices because um they get pigeonholed and they can spend you know years preparing ironmongery schedules and they kind of never get involved in you know they become the doorknob queen of the practice and it's kind of not ever going to get them into the situation that you guys are in where you had enough breadth of knowledge to to confident to to take that first plunge yeah yeah you sort of need that hands-on experience from every element whether it's from procurement to technical drawings Mm -hmm. delivering the project the client liaison so I feel as though yeah to get that experience is so valuable before then stepping out on your own and what was your journey? Marianne, you mentioned KLC, but what was your journey to get to being interior designers? Well, yeah, I, um, I actually worked in retail for a really long time um, doing visual merchandising. And I always knew I wanted to do interior design, but um, I was kind of dressing windows and I was like, do you know what? I, I really, I think I can do more than this. I was very creative. Um, my grandma was an interior designer and then I went to KLC. I actually contacted Laura Hammett after seeing her website and was like, how do I get into this? I'm obsessed. I love what you're doing. And she was like, go to KLC. You know, it's a great course. I did the crazy diploma that everyone <laughs> says. It you kills know. people. It kills people. But I loved it. I learned so much. And then I was really lucky and fortunate to, to win the um design competition with Chesney's so then that took off I gained some confidence I worked with some amazing um, interior design studios in central London and then obviously met Courtney so that's when I just sort of naturally evolved yeah but I mean obviously I'm not from the UK originally as my accent would probably (laughs) (laughs) tell tell most people but um I I actually started off not necessarily knowing exactly what I wanted to do after high school and pursued a a degree in marketing 
And after the first 12 months, quickly established, this was not for me, um, didn't enjoy the course. So really sat down and reflected, what is it that I want to do? Um, and so it wasn't long before sort of working out, right, interior design is where my passion is. So set out to, to do an interior design degree, um, which took me, oh gosh, about three years. But once I'd finished that, um, it was actually uh, the global financial crisis in Sydney. So there wasn't a lot of jobs on offer, um, which, which then sort of, me, sort of saw me land in um, a couple of varied roles, but I actually really um, enjoyed the home staging side of design. So I, I worked in a really successful business in Sydney for about 10 years. Um, working my way up through the business there. But that actually saw me um, develop a really strong sales um, skill set. So I think that's played a role in then helping with setting up our own business because I feel quite confident and comfortable when it comes to dealing with clients. Um, but yeah, moved over here in 2018 and um, shortly after met Marianne and we... The rest is history. Yeah, yeah, the rest is history. So would you have ever set up on your own or do you think for you guys it was essential that you had a partner would you have had the courage to go out and just be a sole trader or a limited company right off the bat I think for us we discovered working on the freelance project that our skills really mm. complemented each other yeah it, it wasn't long before we sort of worked out you know one plus one really equals three. Mm. So with the varied skill sets that we had, the ability to collaborate on projects so effortless, effortlessly um, and to deliver projects just meant that for us, it made sense to go into a partnership versus going solo. So, you know, obviously we didn't go into a business partnership lightly. We didn't make that decision lightly. We'd heard some absolute horror stories of people yeah. setting up businesses together and it just failed miserably, whether they had big falling out, like big, had a big falling out or, you know, didn't feel comfortable mm -hmm. having open, honest conversations with each other. But for us, the brilliant thing is that we are so open and honest, have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And I think the biggest um, the biggest point is that our visions and goals align both personally and professionally. Mm. So for us, it was it was a no brainer. And what company structure did you decide on? So we're an equal partnership in all sense of the word. <laughs> um, we don't have a traditional formal partnership. We're both 50-50 equal, part, uh, equal shareholders. shareholders yeah. um, we set up as a limited company as the structure really suited our business model um, and was appropriate for what we we're setting out to achieve. Yes, I noticed on your website, you're both, you both call yourselves creative director. So you're a company with two, two heads. Two yes. heads, yes. <laughs> I think we definitely share the responsibilities, um, yeah. but we quite heavily collaborate with each other, constantly bouncing ideas off each other. So yeah, I think it works well for us to both be. Do you have different roles within the practice? What do you, do you, you know, do you have areas of expertise where one of you would defer to the other? I think day to day, we work very collaboratively. Um, there's obviously some natural division in our duties. I'd probably say your Courtney's role focuses more on the financial aspects yeah. and supplier account management side to the business, whereas my role probably leans more towards a technical and software-based focus. But generally speaking, it's so collaborative, isn't We're it? We're constantly running ideas yeah. past each other, like, what do you think of this shade, yeah. shade of beige? <laughs> Courtney's pulling out all sorts of samples to me, like purple mohair, saying, oh, I think we should use this on, on our St. John's Wood project. I'm like, 
this is horrendous. I don't know how to take her sarcasm, but <laughs> she's taking the mix. She's she's definitely learned to adapt to my sarcasm yeah. over the years. Um, I, I don't know. It's she's too polite, whereas I'm just like, what do you think of this sample, like, Marianne? Oh, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, she fell for it again. Oh, like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the look on her face the last time I pulled out a sample and I was like what do you think yeah she's like oh, oh no no <laughs> so Marianne does that mean you you tend to do most of the drawing is that how I'm hearing I, it I do do more of the drawing side like the CAD the technical software base Courtney also gets involved in that but I think naturally our skill set kind of diverts and you're quite strong on the financial side whereas I probably take a bit more of confidence in the technical drawing side so yeah but you I can think, both do everything yeah I think it's one of those things that we obviously have our natural strengths yeah. and while we're probably drawn to feeling you know more comfortable Com yeah with those skills we definitely collaborate and work together where you know I, I think it's important to feel confident in in all aspects all aspects yeah. of the business because at the end of the day there's nobody else to rely on mm. so so true it's only it's yeah. only the two of you <laughs> and how did you figure out who your target market would be I think naturally I well I've got a background working with developers and real estate agents so I think that was always a target market that we were quite keen to focus on um I actually really enjoy the fast-paced nature of turning around show homes um so obviously developers, generally speaking, have shorter lead times than sort of like the private client work. Um, and they're not, they're not as generally sort of emotionally invested in some of the decisions. So I feel as though it's fast paced, their decisions are made on, um, you know, commercial, like commercial decisions. Um, the return on investment is generally the key driver. So I actually quite enjoy that sort of work. But then obviously our second target market yeah, it's a bit more private, yes. private residential projects. These obviously have a much longer lead time than the commercial projects, um, but they have larger budgets. There's, there's more Probably creative a bit more, freedom. Yeah, creative freedom. And I think it brings us a lot of satisfaction to work with our clients so closely and obviously deliver their vision. We get a lot of mm. joy mm. out To see that. them sort of deliver, well, they, they sort of give us their requirements mm. and then we're able to deliver upon that. It brings us so much satisfaction yeah. to be able to bring their vision to life. And did you, did you actually, when you were setting this up and kind of going through the motions, did you, did you actually write, did you sit down and write a formal business plan? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so my dad is a businessman. He had his own successful business in Sydney. Um, so I think I always sort of looked up to him in terms of, you know, what, what drove his success and the key thing that came from that was having a business plan i'm i'm such a strong believer in if you fail to plan you plan to fail yeah i think it's one of the first things we did yeah so i think we we obviously sat down worked out our strengths our target market um once once we'd done a few revisions of that, I think what sort of took us two to three months yeah, to, to do the so. business plan. Uh, once we'd finally agreed on what we were both um, happy with, we then shared it with a couple of people that we trusted within our network, got their feedback, um, sort of any opinions and comments that they had. And then once we once we were sort of all in agreement, we felt comfortable that we had a shared vision and a shared goal. I was just going to say, how far ahead did you go out? Did you go out to five years? Five years. We, I mean, we're very much focused on the year to year 
Um, so being a startup, we've got obviously our short-term goals. We do have mid-term and long-term goals, but I think for the most part, we're very much focused on, on this year. So mm. we sat down at the um, end of last year and, and put together our strategy for FY22. And um, obviously we, we want to make sure that we're achieving those goals for this year first, then we can sort of look ahead to, to yeah, the sort of- I, I think the conventional wisdom says you're supposed to do, you're supposed to look at detail for the first year and then less detail running out to five years so that yeah. you kind of, and then you keep revising it year on year on year with more detail for the forthcoming year so that you can see whether you're tracking in the correct direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as much as you plan for, the year ahead and you have a strategy in place there's just so many variables that pop up throughout yeah. the course of the year that you're like I didn't expect that no. or you know um you sort of get thrown curveballs um but for the most part we're sort of like right if we can get to the end of the year and we've mm -hmm. achieved those goals then we can sort of look ahead to the two to three year goals and then the five-year goals yeah. but no it makes, I mean, it makes sense we've definitely got a number of goals for the long term which yeah. you know are exciting but being a startup we're very much focused on the here and now yeah I think I was like Courtney you know I really want us to be involved in international work she's like Marianne we just need to get through this year <laughs> so we can look at next year she eating for the next 12 months yeah. right yeah. Start. <laughs> a bit ahead of myself <laughs> and it, it sounds like you've had a really good uh support group around you of people who can help you with all the boring business stuff that you've got to get your heads around Yes. Yeah, definitely. We've got we've got a great support network, both yeah. through friends, family, people in the creative industry, um, family members yeah. that have their own businesses. So to use those um, to use those family members and friends as sounding boards to test those ideas, I think it's been extremely beneficial in setting up our business. Yes, support network is so important. I think. And what other things? What else was on your to do list when you were when you were sorting out that business plan? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the never-ending to-do list yeah. it's still a bit like that but I think initially when we first started out it was updated daily yeah I think prior to launching to-do lists consisted of anything to do with setting up a shared drive setting up bank accounts cancelling and setting up new bank accounts because yes. they made very strange noises when we, we made purchases. we had this awful bank account that when we made payments for anything, whether it be on our phone or using the card, contactless, it made this meowing sound. It would go, <gasps> oh, it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. It came with like the company formations pack. So yeah. when we did the domain and registered the business name, it just came with that. It came automatically with this bank account. And I remember we were at Decorex oh. once and we'd checked our coats in, we went to collect them and pay for the coats at the end. And we tapped the card and it went meow. And this this oh. woman was like, "Is there a cat in the room?" We were mortified, so we right. went. We, we went back to the office out with this. Yeah, we set up HSBC. <laughs> we went back night. to the office that afternoon and set up with HSBC. We're like, "No, no, absolutely not. So embarrassing. <laughs> we can't take clients out with this." <laughs> but then from there, it was like obviously invoice yeah. templates, quoting templates, registering for trade accounts, professional indemnity, public liability insurances, designing the company logo. Yeah, so yeah. much. A long, there's a lot to yeah. do. Oh, honestly, endless. there's just so much need, that needs to be considered. And yeah. with an ever-evolving to-do list, you really need to adapt and decide on what needs to be prioritised today and what can wait until tomorrow because... Yeah you know, some things just have to wait. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that even to this day, while we're 
while we're now in the process on working on live projects and we're actually able to deliver design work there is still this um this element of the to-do list but it was it was really beneficial to get all of the admin done prior to launching so that once we did officially launch we could focus on working on the business rather than in the business and what would you what would you say looking back with the biggest challenges that you faced during that early those few months there was a lot apart from the meowing yeah yeah oh my goodness apart from the meowing I think um obviously launching during COVID was yeah probably one of one of the biggest challenges people thought we were a bit mad um so I think for the most part it was that we we obviously had a business strategy or marketing marketing strategy to build our brand awareness but we weren't actually able to attend um, networking events um we weren't able to meet with clients face to face so that that did pose a bit of a um an initial challenge um but it and, and it's only been in the last couple of months really that we've been able to start to attend networking events again we obviously wanted to put ourselves out there and yeah. and sort of let people know who we are but you know just last week actually we went to a networking event probably one of our first for the year and it was it was actually a boat party we were under the impression that this boat was meant to stay stationary and docked at the wharf, but all of a sudden we set sail down the Thames and we're thinking, okay, oh no. this is this is interesting, right, right. And um, about two hours in, Marianne um, hadn't quite found her sea legs and I asked the captain, I was like, when are we due to go back to the docks? And he's like, oh, in another three hours. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're never going to get off this thing. <laughs> You were going to say that two hours later you found yourselves in France. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, honestly, it was I like I about a ticket, Courtney. Yeah, <laughs> it was about a five-hour-long networking party, which it was great to be surrounded by people again. Yeah, so, good. you know, obviously that that was that element to it was brilliant. But yeah, it made it quite interesting that yeah. we'd um yeah, we're on this boat for five hours. So I think we've definitely had to adapt to other forms of communication during COVID. So whether it's setting up Zoom calls with developers or prospective clients, um, because that that face-to-face contact hasn't been available. But yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of clients, you know, that aren't based in the UK and um, we've had to adapt and speak to them over WhatsApp, have Zoom calls. We have a client in Q8 at the moment and we're talking to him about approving radiators over WhatsApp, which seems quite crazy, but we're taking advantage of the... The digital age. Yeah, yeah. which is obviously what our kind of business model is based on, really. Yeah, I think for us, it's it's quite crazy that you can actually send a client a WhatsApp saying, right, we've sourced the new radiators. What do you think? Mm. He approves them. We then forward that onto the contractor. They then get ordered. But everything's so, it's so, so digital and, yeah. and it's such a efficient form of communication um which is actually why we're sort of keeping a finger on the pulse when it comes to technology because for us we're even exploring the option of um vr so virtual reality where you know you might be able to design a walkthrough of a space and the client can have a headset on and actually see yeah the design the designed space and how that looks mm. completely like remotely so yeah wow and can you enlighten me as to how you actually took courage to set up on your own, not having particularly huge amounts of cash in the business at the start? I mean, it must have been quite a, a scary prospect, that. Yeah, I think it is a scary prospect. Definitely. Mm. We definitely had some, um, I don't know, encouraging support network around us. Yeah. But 
I think a lot actually when we broke it down we thought actually do we need to spend you know this amount of money on a website for example we can we can we can do that ourselves potentially look at different um, providers go to Fiverr mm. speak to freelancers and get around this I think Courtney was doing some coding with someone in Bangladesh <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely get quite creative yeah. with you know obviously finding clever ways to to sort of save the money where you can yeah and invest it sensibly in other aspects of the business so for us we thought initially we looked into having a website developed and sort of gawked at the price of some of the quotes that were coming in we thought you know what I think we can use this money more sensibly in other aspects um you know various avenues of marketing and brand awareness so we ended up exploring a couple of options we were like right I think we can design this ourselves um That's we ended up go yeah, yeah we ended up building 90 percent of the website ourselves and then as Marianne it's a, it's said, a very nice website oh, thank you. it really yeah. is lovely something that thought we thought would take us a week ended up yeah. turning into <laughs> three or four a lot of late nights <laughs> a lot of late nights a lot of weekend work and as Marianne said a couple of conversations to some very helpful coders um you know across the globe so yeah. YouTube <laughs> tutorials yeah yeah did you hire office space from the start no we're quite agile actually with our approach to office space I think that you know our working environment we, we could be in three different locations mm -hmm. at one time so we could be remotely working from home quite a, quite a neat trick given that there are only two of you yes <laughs> exactly. exactly we definitely we might need it. to reassess once we explain <laughs> <laughs> we're, all over, we're all over london though aren't we i know we sort of like from mayfair to st john's wood yeah. to chelsea down to the design center picking up samples so yeah. For us, it just sort of didn't make sense to have an office space just yet, mm. um, given that we're only sort of working to, together in an office sense 30% um, of the time. So for the most part, we work either from um, remotely from clients' homes, um, occasionally from home, but we've sort of utilised um, hot desking as well yeah we've got a, a great hot desking membership so we can work at like 10 different locations over london which works oh that's useful yeah, yeah. So that works for for now but obviously you know we might need to reassess that once we yeah. evolve the business and and as as i said grow a team we just didn't think it was the most important thing at the very beginning yeah but yeah yeah and a bit probably as you said a bit of use of resources too if you're trying yeah, to make your money exactly. go as fast as you can so that that then I think probably answers the next question I was going to ask has you have you hired any staff but actually if if you haven't yet are you planning to hire any staff do you think that we actually have hired some staff yeah yeah, we, yeah. we've got a part-time finance director yeah. and we've got a PA who helps us with the sort of day-to-day -day running of the business but they both work remotely so you know it, it gives us the opportunity we realized quite early on that being the face of the company it was important for us to free up time to focus on the priorities which is client facing and and putting our clients first so it just meant that having somebody with the day help with the day-to-day -day running of the business along with um I, I think a finance director has made oh, a world of difference to our business yeah. um just to sort of keep keep a healthy check on the financial side of the business um that that's really helped but I think in the future we will probably look at also hiring some junior designers down down the track once we're once we're ready yeah good great and I, I'm assuming you must have VAT registered already yes yes yes, yes. yeah yeah
And have your job descriptions changed since you started? No, they haven't really. Um, we're both creative directors. We're both responsible for every aspect of the business. I think we love what we do and we want to kind of have that wholesome approach. I'm sure as the business grows, mm. our roles will slightly evolve. But for now, yeah, yeah, nothing's changed so far. Yeah, I think for us, it's really important that we stay the heart and the face mm. of the business. And how do you monitor your financial performance? I mean, you said you've got a part-time um, finance director now, which must be yeah. a huge help. But you know, Oh, honestly, I don't think we'd be able to do it without him. So I think there's a couple of layers to our reporting. So most useful is our pipeline tracker. I yeah. think we, we absolutely, we populate that um, as and when new inquiries come in. Um, we, we also track the status um, of our tenders as well as having a financial dashboard, which sort of provides the KPIs um, such as our you know, current conversion rate, our average project value, the pipeline, cash flow forecast, as well as other priorities. So there's, there's a bunch of other elements to the business that you, know, you need to, to keep in mind and consider, such as the statutory reporting, lodgements. Mm. Um, so we, repa- we um, prepare that on a weekly basis and we meet, we meet with him once a week. Um, so we have those meetings. And then in, in addition to that, we sort of have a more expansive board pack, which we then meet with um, once a month to discuss at a, at a monthly board meeting. And so would just and the three of you, is there, or is there anyone else on the board? It's just the three of us. Yeah. yeah. And um, is that a particular, is there a particular software package you're using to do all that? monitoring or is that something you've set up on spreadsheets uh no so well it's a combination of spreadsheets which marianne and i populate and then that feeds into the software which we're using zero so you talked about um new ways of approaching the market and working remotely is obviously one of them can you talk to us a little bit about how you're using social media platforms and pinterest to to help you in your business yeah i think i mean obviously we're quite we're quite active on Instagram, um, which supports our brand awareness side, but we've actually got such, I think we've got multiple facets of our marketing strategy. So whilst Instagram plays a role in that, for sure, we don't attribute our success to one social media platform. We're on Pinterest, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, yep. Facebook, yeah, but um yeah they all play their part I think yeah so we we sort of use those they they occasionally generate leads I would say that the website generates predominantly most of the leads that we that we have Um, but I think from data from a day-to-day perspective they just sort of illustrate a day in the life of Studio Smiths and and what sort of we're up to on a day-to-day basis so whether we're at site visits or the design centre collecting samples for clients or Mm. you know um, watching watching walls being torn down in our latest project so yeah. We, we sort of like to illustrate what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And who looks after, who produces all your content? Because that, you know, if you're on active, really active on all those platforms, and I know you're really active on Instagram, so if you're covering half a dozen platforms, isn't that an enormous chunk of time every week? <laughs> we're currently working seven days a week, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> that so that, that is, that is the problem. I have to say, when, when you yeah. set up your own business, when you, I was naive enough when I set my business up many, many years ago to think that I would choose when I worked and how long I worked oh, and no. I, I pretty soon realized that actually the business drives you you don't drive the business yeah and it's just oh my goodness yeah. yes mm-hmm. we do we do everything in-house don't we at the moment we contemplated yeah. outsourcing things like Instagram and LinkedIn but I think 
where we're at at the moment it would take away from what we're trying to achieve and we're trying to really build the brand awareness so we just we're a little bit reluctant to outsource it at this stage because I think for us it's because we're in the infancy stage of the business it's really important to us that we we do portray how we want to be perceived in the market so for now we are we're still generating all the content ourselves Uh, we might look at sort of outsourcing that in the in the near future but um, yeah, I think for, for the most part, we've got, you know, support from friends and people in the creative industries, but um, trying to build a client base and a following and yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, for now, for now it's in-house. Yeah. And how do you get around the challenge of not having a huge number of finished projects to promote? Yeah, that is an interesting mm. question actually, isn't it? I think there's a few things within our business when it comes to that. Um, I mean, the experience we both have within the interior interior design industry, um, we'd like to know that our clients, you know, can appreciate. And it's important that we can instill a sense of confidence in them in the very first meeting. Yeah. We often deal with clients who are savvy enough to know whether we're the real deal or not. Yeah, we'd like to think that salespeople. With our, what, sort of almost 20 years combined experience, we'd like to think that our clients Mm. know that we're the real deal. but it is definitely a challenge that we've faced. I mean, a large portfolio would be extremely useful, but we've had to adapt and it's something that we do well. Yeah. So, you know, we, we engage well with clients and that's what we sort of rely upon initially. Um, but from there, we we do have a couple of projects that we've worked on individually um, as solo designers before joining forces um but the most important factor factor to us is being able to engage well with our clients um and basically have them confident in our own abilities and knowing that we can deliver their requirements um so i think i think from the initial um tender document that we typically send across we we tend to get really positive um, yeah, feedback yeah. from clients so once we've illustrated that we've really understood the brief and we're able to we're sort on of the same page we illustrate that illustrate that we're on the same page we we instantly gain their trust so it it yeah it has been a challenge but we sort of work work around it and before long you'll have plenty of things to put galleries of gorgeous yeah. images to have on you and it won't be yeah, a problem anymore exactly. but it's a it's a tough it's a tough one when you're setting out yeah so you've got other ways that you go about winning new projects yeah I would say that um the the website typically generates most of our inquiries um so to us from the get-go that's why it was so important to have such a strong website um we also use um SEOs which I'm sure the both of you are familiar with but um yes we utilize SEOs but then from the projects um that we've won to date we tend to we've we've sort of got a few word of mouth referrals from those as well so whether it's from the network of our clients that we've built up but also the contractors that we're working with so um, we've got a fantastic builder who we're working with at the moment on one of our projects and he's already referred us to other to other projects Mm. since working with him since what November yeah um, you make you make his life easier. Yeah, he's happy to work with you again. Exactly. Just goes, just goes to show you have to be kind of nice and professional to absolutely everyone because you never, I know, you never I know. quite know where know. the contact's going to come from. Exactly. So I think building those really meaningful relationships with both the clients and the yeah. contractors has been so important to our network, which I think encourages this sort of like principle of reciprocity. Hmm. So you know we refer work to them and vice versa. So that that's worked really well. I think 
we've we've also been quite proactive to be honest we've reached out to prospective clients that's actually worked quite well for us and mm, mm. um, we're not waiting for work to kind of fall into our laps because London's obviously such a huge market there's so many people needing support we're there to to offer it um so we're happy to be proactive and pursue prospective clients yeah. I mean before Christmas we actually reached out to a developer that we were really keen to work for and they didn't have any residential work for us at the moment but they had a requirement for joinery work in their amenity space and needed it to be turned around in a really quick very quickly yeah, very very quickly. <laughs> last minute.com but yeah we delivered that and yeah. who knows what will then come from that relationship so yeah, yeah. so I think we're definitely definitely quite proactive definitely, on on yeah. reaching out to people that we would like to work with as well I, I just think that there's a lot of people looking for support and we're actually able to offer the support. So I personally see us as we're offering a solution to people that have a problem. Mm. So sometimes it can be right time, right place. Um, and other times you sort of reach out to, as Marianne said, prospective clients that we would like to work with and, and go from there. How easy is it to pitch yourself as different to other interior designers? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that is a good one. I think from our perspective, you know, we are we are a little bit younger in the marketplace. Um, we have fresh ideas, perhaps a different approach to the way some people work. Um, you know, so it's not uncom uncommon for us to be sort of WhatsApping clients, sample like images mm. of samples and and quotes for for joinery and that sort of thing. Um, which might be slightly different to, to the way some people traditionally have worked. Um, that's not to say that, you know, that doesn't work. That doesn't yeah. work as well. But I think for us, it's sort of adapting to the way that our clients like to engage. So naturally, if a client starts to communicate with us via WhatsApp, we sort of adapt to that and, okay, right, this is their preferred method of communication. So we just go with the flow. Um, yeah, I think yeah. obviously a lot of studios have, you know, the big office space in Kings Road or they're quite centrally based and we don't have that, but we can take our clients to places that might inspire them for projects or go to a marble quarry or mm. kind of be quite flexible, I think, with what they require. Mm. And yeah. That maybe that's a bit of a different approach. maybe it's easier as well with the what we've all been through with the pandemic that you can have a kind of more flexible business model can't you yeah 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 well I think there is there is that definite sense of flexibility so whether that's meeting with the client or taking them to a lovely restaurant mm. and somewhere that inspires them and they they're sort of then able to articulate their brief and their requirements um easier so yeah I think not having a fixed abode probably helps with that um, but also just coming from different backgrounds, my strengths being with developer work, Marianne's being with more the, um, the private residential work. I think that sort of combination um, sort of gives us a really nice balance of perhaps commercial awareness mixed with um, decisions that are maybe a little bit more emotionally involved. Yeah. So I, I think that sort of synergy really works for our business model. Where you mentioned earlier that you really want to do some international work. Where do you see Studio Smiths in five years from now? Oh, I think, well, I mean, my sister is actually um, an interior designer as well. And she lives in Sydney, which is my hometown, mm -hmm. constantly pestering me to set up a business together. But 
I mean, I've, I've been over here for four years now with no intention of going home anytime soon, which is probably going to shock everybody back home. <laughs> but um, I think it would be an absolute dream to work together one day. So I think for both of us, we'd eventually like to see maybe a Studio Smith Sydney. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of definitely a long-term goal as I'm opposed to... Eager. Yeah, Mary Ann's <laughs> eager. She just wants to travel. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Do you have do you have a dream project? Is oh. there a dream? What would be your dream project? You know, some people always say oh, they want to do a super yacht, but you know, what would yeah. be your yeah, dream? Yeah, I would like to do that. To be fair, but I, I think for some reason I've always wanted to do like a country estate in the south of France, um, or a really cool boutique hotel project. Mm, I'd love mm. to do something like that. You wanted to do beachfront property. I think for me like the fact that I'm even getting to work on properties yeah. in the UK is just like blows my mind. Um, but I think, you know, coming, coming from Sydney, working over here, the absolute dream project for me would probably be to work on a villa somewhere in Italy or Spain. I really have an appreciation for sort of Mediterranean aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah. I think that would be an absolute dream for me. And what surprised you most about running your own business? I think when you work for somebody else, you know what to expect day to day. And there's sort of expectations on what your role entails. So you might be involved in procurement or technical drawings, um, installation, and, and you sort of know, you know what's expected and how to deliver. But with your own business, there's the responsibility of paying wages, your own included, um, obviously you've got to talk with your accountant, statutory filings. There's, there's just this whole other element that you sort of don't, don't expect or anticipate. And I think the biggest surprise to me is how to adapt to that and manage your time between not only delivering projects and working as an interior designer, but running a business simultaneously. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with you. <laughs> I think I've also realised how important time management is and being selective and precious with your time, you know, being able to assess whether or not something adds value to your life, whether that be socially, outside of work, with friends or within the working week, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever, whatever the, the working moment. week is. <laughs> um, but in, in order to be, you know, working productively and efficiently. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's been the hardest thing about running your own business? I think for me personally, the hardest thing is obviously our clients are so valuable and without them, our business means nothing. So to, to obviously sacrifice things in order to prioritize them, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't do the work, no one, no one's there to pick up the slack. So it can mean cancelling plans, cancelling plans on friends last minute in order to get proposals across the line. So I think to be successful, it takes commitment and, and sometimes that, that can be a difficult aspect of it. Mm. I think I think that's why a lot of startups don't continue past their first couple of years. You know, mm. people are not prepared to put in that hard graft and it's yeah. really, it, yeah. you guys, I can see in your faces, you really know how hard work, you know, yeah. what hard work is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Would there be any other essential qualities you need, do you think? Yes, yes, I think... Thick skin. Thick skin, for sure. Um, I would say clear vision, determination and focus. Mm. They're probably the key qualities. Resilient. I mean, after being in the industry for oh, coming up to close to 12 years, you definitely build a resilience and an understanding that the nature of the job is to not take things so personally. 
um, you know, obviously design is so subjective and we're not always going to be in agreement with our clients, something that we find beautiful, they might not be in agreement with. But I think to sort of um, appreciate their, their opinion on something, um, it's one of those things that you learn, okay, that's all right. Yeah. I, I can handle that. What about stamina? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of wine. <laughs> and a lot of wine. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, the past, the past what, oh, six months have been. It's been very tough. Been pretty hard slog. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's so rewarding. Like the projects that we're getting to work on, the clients that we get to meet, it's just, it's so exhilarating. Yeah. And I think that's what keeps you going. Um, we went to Paris, didn't we? And I think when we were there doing Maison, we were like, this is what it's all for. You know, we've got the flexibility to be able to travel. And this is actually part of our day-to-day job. I know, to, to, design to research trends is part of our job. And yeah. we're like, what? How? How? How is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, but definitely having having your vision and your goals and and sort of reaching those that's what keeps you going yeah. so but yeah we keep we support each other and um you know check in with each other I'm constant like we're constantly saying you know mm. are you okay yeah. you're right are you overwhelmed do you yeah feel okay so, so supportiveness then too yeah absolutely yeah. yeah also like our personal and professional lives our values and you know goals really align very well so it's not like one of us is out partying all the time and the other one's picking up the slack we're very much on the same page yeah yeah hard workers and yeah ambitious yeah. I think and can you just describe some of the projects you're currently working on yeah yeah so we've got about six I think we've got maybe six or seven live projects at the moment so We've got a full four-bed refurbishment in St. John's Wood, which kicked off in November due mm-hmm. to complete in April. Um, so the client isn't based in the UK. It's um, a secondary residence for them, but a full, full refurbishment. So we're stripping out the flooring, the kitchen, the bathrooms. Um, we're putting in cove lighting. Our, our contractor accidentally stripped the, the coving from the hallway. <gasps> <laughs> brand new brand new coving oh and what you just put it in and then he stripped it out again the client the client <laughs> had just put the cove the coving in the oh. hallway and stripped it out we walked in and we're like oh, oh my goodness, my goodness. <laughs> so you, walk, you walk into a space and go what's wrong with this picture uh, yes <laughs> but fortunately he very quickly realized his mistake and was yeah. like don't worry i'm gonna replace this, this on me this is on me this is on me so um yeah with that one we're yeah got some bespoke joinery um bespoke headboards it's gonna be a lovely job we're really excited about that one and then what we've got notting hill notting hill amazing townhouse which is stunning i think madonna apparently lives opposite so we're very excited about that i'm trying (laughs) to catch her at the right time but no, that's going to look amazing. Again, um, Pied-à-Terre, which yeah. the clients, they, they're they based in the Cotswolds. This is their sort of secondary residence when they pop to London. Um, so they've just purchased it recently. And again, not, not as major a refurbishment as the St. John's Wood project, but this one um, is still having some flooring done, um, bespoke joinery. Bespoke joinery. We're doing a lovely fireplace around for them. Mm. and um, fully furnishing that one. So that's really exciting. Sounds like it. So what is the one piece of advice you would give another designer who was thinking about setting up their own design practice? So 
I would say start with a business plan. I can't stress this enough. Um, find your niche market and determine what makes you unique. What are you bringing to the table? You know, what can you offer your clients? Do your research, work out the gaps in the market and what you can do mm -hmm. to fill them. Um, and then probably to gain an understanding of financials, the key drivers within your business. So your sales, your gross margin, operating profit, your conversion rate. I think having a having a sort of sound understanding of that aspect of the business is quite key. And then surrounding yourself with the right people, yeah. find a support network and use it. Um, I think blurring out the noise around you as well. You know, people tell you it's too risky, it's too competitive, stay in your secure job. It's kind of like, well, if you have a clear vision, then I think, you know, yeah. you're going to be fine. If Set you yourself some goals, yeah. put your mind to it and you can achieve it. But you sort of do have to block out the noise. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, if you, if you do surround yourself with the right people that are supportive, then, then they can sort of support you through that journey. And yeah. Can you tell us one hilarious thing that's happened to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think I honestly it's feel so as though we could write a book on the day to day. We often say we need to write a book. We haven't got like, time to write a book. No, <laughs> no, no we don't. We don't have time. <laughs> but um, I think, oh, I hope Marianne doesn't mind me sharing this story. But the probably the one that stands out the most is we were doing um, an installation of a few show homes and we'd been on site for about three days. By the third day, we were absolutely delirious. We were so tired, ready to get out of there. And we had to make the last train back to London, which was about midnight. So frantically trying to wrap up. But in amongst all of this, the developers, the site manager had given us what they call a MasterCard. And it allowed access to every single apartment in the build. I think it was like which, 300 apartments. Yeah, I think there was about 300 apartments. These things, they only had four for the whole development and they were like absolute gold. So throughout the day, it was like, do you have the MasterCard? Who has the MasterCard? Who, who gave you permission to have the MasterCard? We're like, yes, we have the MasterCard. It was relentless. Fine. Like, you know, don't, don't lose the MasterCard. Don't leave without the MasterCard. And it sort of got to the end of the day. We were like, right, got to make this train. They said, on your way out, drop the MasterCard off to security. So in our mad dash for the train, we grabbed our suitcases from the site office, jumped on the train heading back to London, and we sit down for our takeaway pasta and little takeaway little bottles of wine. And Marianne pulled out the MasterCard from her wallet and she's like, oh my gosh, Courtney, I've got the MasterCard. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, these developers are going to shoot us, honestly. So, I mean, it was, a, it was fine. It was we, fine. of course profusely apologized for accidentally taking the MasterCard. I was mortified. And we sent it back first class the next day, but my goodness, I didn't let her lift that one down for a while. She's like, you're never having the MasterCard ever again. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks so much. That's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Courtney and Marianne, for joining us today. That's just been so much fun to chat to you about Studio well, Smith. Thank you. Thanks. We've really appreciated yeah, the opportunity. Yes, yeah, some great insights there. Thank you both so much. That was absolutely wonderful. And do let us know what you think by messaging us or commenting on our Instagram page at Interior Design Business Pod. This episode of the Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.